0: good morning good morning good morning good morning morning. you mean to wish me a good morning what do you mean that it is a good morning whether
1: i want it or not
0: please go away let me speak for the love of God
2: Probably the most underprepared I've ever been for a show, Ben. Welcome to my world. <laughs> but I can hear uh, Cherry Pie playing in the background, so I know we're off to a good start. My mind, every time I hear Cherry Pie, goes right back to Bad Grandpa. Do you remember the scene with little little kids doing the striptease? <laughs> cherry Pie?
3: No. You don't. That's like greatest moment. It was the only great moment I, in that I, movie. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think about that. I keep getting that mixed up with. Is that the one with with Robert De Niro and? No, that's Bad Grandpa. And the one you're talking about is,
2: oh, it's a Dirty Grandpa? What's the Johnny dirty Knoxville yeah. one?
3: I, I always get the, I, I mean, I, I don't get the movies mixed up, but yeah, I get yeah. the names of them mixed up. No, well, I've clearly I don't mixed know which
2: them is up. which. Oh, I told you, I'm not prepared for <coughs> the show. What one is that with the Johnny Knoxville? It's, it,
3: one's Dirty Grandpa and the other's Bad Grandpa.
2: Okay, Dirty Grandpa, I'm <laughs> pretty sure is the jo- the Robert De Niro one. Right, right, All right. I think is the equilibrium. Now are we are we back. <laughs> great start, <laughs> knocking shit everywhere. Well, that song also happens to appear on the, the soundtrack to The Call, you know, the movie with Halle Berry. I've never seen that film. It's a really good one, but um, the guy who directed that is Brad Anderson, and he's on today's Show. That's where I was <laughs> going with that. Right, I see. <laughs> That's right. He's also directed a heap of other great movies, and um, having him on the show is pretty much just me being a geek and wanting to chat with him. We got He's got no releases coming out. It's just like <laughs> it's just, it's a, just a... a trip down memory lane with Glenn and Brad Anderson. So... <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of that guy's work, you're in for a treat today. It's like
3: every time you hear about them filming something in Australia, yeah. I'm like, why don't they get the guys on now? Like, they're here. Yeah. But then you, then I kind of, you know, now that I've been on a couple of movie sets and stuff, you're like, they're way too busy. Yeah, that's true. just right. take their time off to go on the morning show. <laughs> yeah. And if they're not promoting anything, most of these guys are boring as fuck. No, well, that's right. Well, well, they're not. They're not. Not that they're boring as but they just. <laughs> what do you say? Like you, uh, you, uh, you, you, your conversation's going to be uh, like just going through their filmography.
2: Pretty much, and that's kind of what I do. Um, yeah. But if you, <laughs> if you do love Brad Anderson, you're going to get a, a kick out of it, though, because we do uh, trip down memory lane. I talked to him about some of my favourite moments and session nine, and it's definitely session nine and um, the machinist, and you know people will know his work. We'll talk about him in a little bit, but um, well, let's w- just do it all now. Let's get around <laughs> the way. Now. <laughs> Maybe we should introduce the show. My name's Glenn. Over there's Ben, and together we are the hosts of Good Movie Monday. And the flatpot men.
3: That's right. No, it's Bill. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: right. Ain't no Bill here. screwed it up.
3: I did. Huh? I always get the... the <laughs> all the Bill and Ben jokes always work with me because my name is correct. It's the <laughs> other person. If they're not called Bill, it doesn't work and it's their fault mm. not being Bill.
2: That's correct. Thank you for hitting play, everybody. We do appreciate it. We dedicate this show to nerdy cinematic ramblings. And if that's what you're here for, giddy up. It's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one. What's been going on with you, Ben? Another week and you've been crook, I believe. How you feeling?
3: I have been uh, ill. I was. I was ill. I I think I felt it coming on during the recording of last week's show. Right. Like I felt a little tickle. (laughs) Uh, And kept it to himself. And kept it to himself. Yeah. In true (laughs) post-pandemic fashion. Don't tell anyone. Just uh, yeah. (laughs) Went and hung out with as many old people as I possibly could. Excellent. Because, uh, you know, there's a housing crisis and <laughs> 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 secondhand cars are hard to get. So, right. just doing my part for overpopulation. Beats. But I did, uh, you know, it's weird. I was looking for something to watch. Yeah. And I, I did catch up on a lot of TV. Excellent. But I also watched all those uh, Divergent movies. Wow. Which I only ever watched the first one. Yep. And I remember thinking, oh, it's another one of these horse shit like Maze mm. Runner and. Yep. Hunger Games and like, mm-hmm. and really, you know, didn't give a Continental, <laughs> but uh, they're perfect sick fodder movies. Yep. And I binged all three in like the day <laughs> and I had a really good time. Yeah. For some reason,
2: the director of one of those was on my radar this week and I'm just trying to, um, I'm trying to remember why. The Hmm. Was
3: Insurgent it, and Elegant again? It, <laughs> right. Elegant?
2: Elegant? I, I didn't care for them when I first saw them, but I reckon I might if I go back. You know, it's a bit like Maze Runner. I didn't get a kick out of those, but I watched one of them again and was like, well, this is better than I thought it would be.
3: I definitely think time has yeah. a lot to play when it comes to <laughs> movies like this. Like you yep. don't, at the time when they come out, it's very easy to kind of dismiss them as mm-hmm. popcorn, yep. which is like 100% what they are. Exactly, yeah. But then after, when you've got no no steak, when there's no steaks mm. and it's just at home. Yeah. You I, know, I mean, but there is, it is funny though, because <laughs> I was watching this and the movie that I'll be recommending later. Yeah. There are parts there that are definitely designed to work in a crowded cinema. Gotcha. Like there are gags and stuff yeah, that yeah. you need the rest of the cinema to laugh at. For you to laugh at it. Yep. And that does not happen when you're at home by yourself. It's just you going, oh yeah.
2: Well, I also think that movies like that, as well as Maze Runner, um, Hunger Games, even Harry Potter to a lesser extent, are attached to a generation. You yeah. know, like, so when you're older than that target demographic, you don't think as much of these films. But when that time passes and you go back to them and that age group has grown out of them, yeah, I think they appreciate a bit more. So yeah, maybe I'll have to go back to that one. But I'm glad you're feeling better, better enough to be here at least. You're looking hey. better than I am. I've got a fucking eye infection right now.
3: Yeah, like your eye looks like a weeping vagina. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'd prefer to think of I don't know coming off the set of Blood Fist Nine, maybe something but like the that. The hair
3: so. is in the middle instead of around the sides. <laughs> that's Would you like to stroke it? <laughs> Apparently, please, please do on hurt. a podcast that the uh, that the uh, skin on the inside of your cheek is the same skin that's on the. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I've never been able to put that to the test. Interesting uh, fact. <laughs> <laughs> one day. Yeah. Sometimes I be like, bite my own cheek. Like one on the... Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it. What are you I'm, doing? I'm, I'm miming it. <laughs> yes. It's, what you need to do.
2: I'm the only one that benefits from this.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I can see and what this you're doing. That's the way, this way it should be. <laughs> It's, it's like an alternate to two in the pink, one in the stink.
2: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I've got a pink stink eye right now and you fucking hell. It's, it's I
3: feel like we're in that South Park episodes where you go, I'm not a zombie, it's the bad case of pink <laughs> eye.
2: Oh, I'll tell you what, it's fucking annoying and I can hardly read my notes, so it's going to be a it's fun all, episode. It's all weepy and shiny and... That's the ointment, which is not a good word. No, like <laughs>
3: Ointment. I love the salve.
2: Yeah. Oh, I need to put my glasses on, this is... Yeah, let me do that so you can't look straight in my eye like you are. It's putting me off. I'm feeling very uncomfortable right now.
3: <laughs> Stop looking at me, Ben. You squinty fuck. <laughs> What's that from? Who calls someone a squinty? You fuck? called me that before. <laughs> I can't remember what the movie is, but it's a great line in the movie, whatever movie it is. Yeah. You, yep. you squinty eyed fuck. <sighs> Jarrett will tell me uh, yes, later in the week. And way. it's just not appropriate yeah. either. <laughs>
2: So, um, hey, how about uh, going to goodmoviemonday.com? That's our website. That's where you can find your way to all of our social media platforms.
3: And Glenn will be putting up all the photos of his own <laughs> oh, on the website <laughs> so you can see it. We
2: also have a Spotify playlist where you can listen to the music from our show if you enjoy that kind of thing. And uh, we've got a couple of bangers lined up for you this week. Um, as I said, Brad Anderson's our special guest. Uh, we also have uh, Jarrett coming up with his uh, physical media entertainment Update, I don't know, what are we calling it these days?
3: The, the Get Physical segment. I just can't believe that, like, at the start of that show, because we record, we actually record that before this, yeah, yeah. that I made a gag. I know, you did, I was wondering if you'd... And <laughs> I did not hold to it at the beginning of the actual show <laughs> to pay it off. I was legitimately
2: waiting to get to the segment to see if you'd pick up on that. So.
3: <laughs> I remember the gag.
2: And of course our regular segments from uh, the Bonehead Weekly podcast. That's coming up. They're gonna I can't remember what their <laughs> what their theme is this week. Isn't
3: it dance is it dance moves? No, moves? it's not this week. No? Um I oh, that was gosh. the one that they were doing.
2: No, I didn't make a note of it. I should because you know, the thing is with the Boneheads is they pre record well ahead of time. Because they're
3: they're on top of things.
2: They are on top of things. Uh, what have we got here? And they're in Kentucky,
3: so technically they're living in the past. And yet
2: they're and us. yet they're ahead of us with the segments. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure, how does that work? That's all coming up. Anyway, that's the show. Let's just now just quit while we're heading and throw to Jared (laughs) and see how that joke holds up. Yeah. (laughs) It will not. You know what? It is really handy that I have Newsly because I can't see shit right now through this fucking eye infection. So it's handy to have all of the news read to me in a natural human voice. News from over 80 different countries, highest trending articles, all put into my phone and read back to me. They also have all the podcasts too, so you probably already know that because that's how you're listening to Good Movie Monday, am I right? But they've got all the other podcasts too. But what you probably haven't done is upgraded to their premium service and you can do that for free for one month using our exclusive code. Go to newsly.me, download the app, upgrade to premium and use the code MONDAY without the O-M-N-D-A-Y. Do it now, enjoy, thank us later. Alrighty, Ben and I have spoken ourselves silly already, so it's time to bring someone else in to take the weight off. <laughs> I don't know. we will just go with that. Jarrett, how you going?
4: Good, guys. Harry, uh, <laughs> happy to bear the load, uh, so to speak.
2: Uh, I don't know. Ben, Ben's looking at me like a one of those confused dogs where his head's tilting and it's <laughs> like, like a, well, I don't blame him like pug. Because I, I made like, no like sense. a pug.
3: I was like, I haven't spoken a word the entire show, so I find it very. Find it very <laughs> I've just been sitting here in silence.
2: Ben forgets this is going into a good movie Monday, and it's an actual yes, of course,
4: into the wider sort of picture. Yes, no, no, Uh, no. I was
3: just planning. Now
4: that was now was (laughs) now in the beginning. Planning ahead (laughs) 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 to make this gag fit. (laughs) It's all it's all in the subtext of the silence too. But, um, gentlemen, it's an interesting week for home entertainment this week because we we don't. I mean, it's a mix of majors and minors. There's nothing exceptional coming out, although one could say that one of the titles, I think you caught this one earlier in the year, Ben, Plane, the Gerard Butler action oh, yes. film, and I think yeah. you said it was quite good that it delivered on what the title uh, gave away, that it was basically a plane, <laughs> <a> plane action. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, the,
3: yeah, the plane is a central figure. They do, they do crash the plane pretty early in the, in the film, but right. then they... But then they fix it MacGyver style. Oh, and, okay, and cool. it saves the day in the end. Like, the plane is quite... So
4: they quite have. Difficult. Do
2: they have gum in, like, foil wrappers?
4: Yes. They, Some chicken close. wire in uh, someone's mum's dildo. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Harvey Lawrence's mum's <laughs> <Yeah>. but. <laughs> <laughs> but this was... It's. It's. I mean, it's, it's great. And I've heard a lot of rumblings about other things happening uh, with Disney uh in the in the us and stuff like that but i mean because that that plane movie was released on prime i think
4: yeah yeah it went like a it went while, to while prime. ago so it's yeah. good that
3: it's coming out physically even if it's you know i remember it used to be you had to you had to actually write it in for the submission to itunes and stuff the physical mm. release date because they wanted to release day and date now they don't seem to care like you bring it out in vod months ago and we'll yeah. still take that yeah. physical jb will still take that physical release there's
2: still um there's still a market of a niche market for people that love their the dtv style action movies that's why they keep making sniper movies and things like that like Mm, even mm. back in the days when i was working for jb like these are the type of movies that would move more than anything else
4: yeah it's true it's true because i even see it on the forums and the facebook groups that you've got your sort of hardened you know action fans and they don't mind the dtv action and and they literally still buy them physically so but it's good i mean amazon's generally pretty good in terms of things that release to them exclusively for for a window or whatnot that they'll still do a physical release down the track when it comes to movies maybe not so much for tv sh- uh, series yep. but that was an interesting point you mentioned ben because on, what were
3: you' were about to say that tv shit
4: tv shit Mm. (laughs)
3: Uh,
4: was the fact that disney have announced like in the last week some major releases that they've you know had on their disney plus platform here in australia and hulu in the states and they're going to release physical copies of them in the us of course because at this point in time you know we're we're still without disney but who knows maybe with all these you know big titles coming they may re-enter the local market. Like, I mean, Prey is finally coming to 4K, or yeah, HD, Blu-ray that. and DVD. And then we've got even these Star Wars and uh, Marvel TV shows like Loki and, you know, what was that, uh, WandaVision and The Mandalorian. They're all coming out and coming out in 4K and Blu-ray in the States. So who knows? Maybe we'll see a return of Disney to the local market, but it is interesting to see that Disney have finally come to the table with releasing physical copies of, of their shows. And, I mean... What does this mean for shows like Willow, too, that, you know, was only on the platform for a few months before it was pulled and has gone back into the vault? Will it come out physically, perhaps, and then go back to the streaming platform? You know, time will sort of tell. But anyway, playing Gerard Butler action. <laughs> with Ray and DVD coming out this week. Also from Roadshow, curious one is the Children of the Corn remake. Now, this was the one they shot here in Australia, in New South Wales, back in 2020. It was shelved for a number of years. And then it got a release late last year in the states and then locally uh it got a digital release here and now it's finally surfacing on physical media and it's coming out on dvd And as i understand it, it was actually a global acquisition by shutter but uh shutter have had been having a bit of a fire sale with some of their titles uh so that may be why it's turned up on dvd from roadshow i I'm apprehensive at looking at it because I've just I have no read nothing but scathing <laughs> things about it. I mean, they made enough of the Children of the Corn film, so unless they're actually going to spend money and do a proper movie, I don't think it's. But I think really it's a, it's worthwhile. a different take on the whole Children of Children of Corn. Yeah. yeah, it's it's generally what they call the production budget less than a Dimension <clears throat> Films DTV budget. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's a very cheap take on the source material, but. Yeah, so anyway, they're coming out, and then they're, well, that's the major releases, or, you know, not the Children of the Corns, a major release, but then the Indie Via Vision have got a bunch of releases coming out through imprint. There's two box sets and two really cool box sets. The first one's, you know, an actor focus on Jennifer Connelly, and that one's got Career Opportunities, Waking the Dead, and House of Sand and Fog. And I've actually never seen *Waking the Dead*, which I think stars Billy Crudup in it as well. Which mm. I've been meaning to check it out because I've heard great things about it. But I love *House of Sand and Fog*. I mean, it's a super depressing film, but it's an incredible piece of cinema. Just and *Career Opportunities* home. also yeah, is it's not so- depressing, but is awesome. <laughs> it's great. It's such a like I literally just watched *Career Opportunities* again,
3: and it's so weird that it's in that box set. Yep. And I think they've done themselves a real disservice. So when it, when that Frank Wiley box set comes out later in the year. <laughs> We're swimming back, with swimming with
4: sharks. Can't, yeah, they can't <laughs> put that one in there. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, the good news is that Imprint have started releasing some uh individual releases of stuff that was previously in a box set. Because I can see career opportunities being the one that probably everybody wants and they're gonna buy the yeah. box set full. It has had a US release through Kino but, but of course it's locked to Region A. So, well, I'd love good op- to see like a box set of like the fans.
2: the less conventional or less known John Hughes productions like that. Like, oh yeah, like, absolutely, that would be cool. A box yeah, like yeah. that. Like even if it was like The Great Outdoors, Reach the Rock. These are these ones that people sort of
4: don't absolutely. know as well. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, if anyone was going to do it, Imprint could definitely do it because you know that that's their market. The other film focus uh, box set they've got, Active Focus, is on Jessica Lange, and it's got four titles in it. It's got Francis, Crimes of the Heart, Music Box, and Losing Desire, and they're all pretty pretty hardened dramas, with the exception of maybe Crimes of the Heart because that's more a black comedy. Uh, than anything else and that was was that director was that fred skepsey that did it or was it who was it that did that one good question it was an aussie director oh no it it was bruce beresford bruce beresford uh, yeah one of the same cast too diane keaton jessica lang and someone else i can't name the other (laughs) actress that's in there um but yeah it was a terrific film i'm looking forward to revisiting that one and I might mention with the Jennifer Connelly set too, there is new special feature content as well because the Career Opportunities release that came out in the States had a handful of special features, but they've actually got more content on this release. So for me, it means I'm probably going to have to double dip and buy that box set because I just really <laughs> want the special edition of Career Opportunities.
3: Yep, yeah, would be good. Then
2: there's a
4: couple other... The...
3: Replace the um the
4: case with a two disc case and just keep it in the yeah end. true I've done it before I'll do it again. There's a couple <laughs> other imprint titles that are coming out. One which I think Ben might interest you. Uh, it's a 1994 feature, Miss Parker in the Vicious Circle. Was that something oh, yes. that you saw back in the day? Yeah.
3: Yes, 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 yes. With uh, John Favreau has an early role in it, which I don't know if they cut him out completely. I remember him talking about it, and I can't remember. I know he's like he's like her love interest. And I think he, right. yeah, yeah, it was his first ever sex, and he has to have sex with her on the like Algonquin round table. <laughs> <And>
4: <laughs> I'm I keen to, i keen to revisit that because I haven't seen it since the the VHS days. I remember yeah. it got strong critical acclaim when it came out, and mm. was a pretty decent sort of it, uh, Oscar nominee is, and whatnot.
3: Is it Alan Parker again? Alan, Parker uh, Alan Rudolph.
4: Alan Rudolph, that's right. Man. Alan Rudolph, yes. So there's that, but there's also, and I love this movie, so I'm so glad that it's getting a Blu-ray release, Searching for Bobby Fischer. Oh, yeah. The um, professional, you know, tiny chess player movie from 93. It was a bit of like a, a sleeper hit when it came out. Like it came out, got a theatrical, but it really found its market on video and then subsequently TV uh, and even streaming. It,
3: I always get it mixed up with that football movie about the the kid who has got a terminal... No, it's not a football movie. So the kid who's got a terminal illness... And they they bring it up in like popular. Oh, the cure. The
4: Sorry, the cure.
3: No, it's like it's got it's got a similar name to Bobby Fisher.
4: Mm. Oh no, I know. Uh, not Lorenzo's Oil. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's no, a no. lot of sick kid <laughs> films from that kids. era. <laughs> but it's one of those people always
3: talk about like it's it's one of those movies like Rich Man Poor Man where there's like a rule to watching it where you um mm. where the you know are you man enough to admit that you cried yeah 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 uh, yeah, yeah like simon
2: birch. Bloody yeah. simon birch
4: yeah yeah uh, i just
2: realized i'm drinking from an imprint mug so this is oh there you
4: go nice <laughs> nicely played I'm, they should sponsor us glenn I i'm reckon. drinking from this country road bottle <laughs> maybe they can sponsor the podcast too i reckon they make a bit of money because they don't their shit ain't cheap. I'd just, represent- like, just
3: love it if we were sponsored by the front bottom. Yeah, that's where yeah, I was going. going.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I'd love it if they toured Australia. Maybe you guys could do the support. <laughs> um, so the other title, there is one more imprint title that's coming out. And admittedly, this is one that I've never seen. I actually never knew of this film's existence mm-hmm. until they announced it. And it's a 2002 feature from a writer-director named Karen Mencrift, which is called Blue Car. Have either of you gentlemen ever seen or heard of this movie? Uh, I kind of know, but I've never seen it. Blue Car. Yeah, I, I haven't. I just completely missed that one. But yeah, that's coming out from Imprint. And that's this week's releases. But I do have some news to share with you gentlemen as well. Bring it. And it's with regards to two new 4K Ultra HD releases that are going to be landing tentatively, we'll see, October 11th from Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. They're both from the Paramount catalog, the first of which is Scream 3. It's finally getting a 4K release, which is great. So that means mm-hmm. we only need Scream 4, and then they'll all be on 4K. Uh, and then the last one, which is technically from the Dimension catalog, but it falls under Paramount these days, is Halloween H2O, the 1998 Steve Miner directed it, Halloween film.
3: The one yeah. with Josh Hartnett?
4: Yep. That is the one. And, it's uh, the- and what's that chap that's got three names that was in uh, Christopher Nolan's Inception and was in Fifty Fifty? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's levitt He's in it too because he has a very minor role at the start of the film too. But
3: I believe it it, it. it is the the owner of my favourite internet meme where they've got the picture of Josh Hartnett and there's a there's a he's got his like stupid '90s haircut. Oh, that <laughs> and Awful a, hair. There's a like a barber shop in the background and someone's got. <laughs> <That's> the... <laughs> The hardest thing to swallow about HDO, the the most depressing thing, is that there's a there's literally a barbershop <laughs> <like laughs> meters away from it, and he was
4: looking uh, the same uh, hair in the faculty too. He yeah. was, yeah. I think were they yeah. both the same year? They were both yeah. 1998, and they're both for Kevin memory. Williamson productions.
3: Yeah, yeah there I think you he go. has I that mean... stupid haircut in Forty Days and Forty Nights as well. Like, <laughs> like, it yes.
0: around for a while. And Wrath of Man? Yeah, it did.
4: It <laughs> It's funny the juxtaposition between seeing these, you know, uh, Josh Hartnett films from 20 or 25 years ago now, and then seeing him reemerge as like, you know, a real adult actor in, you know, Operation Fortune, Wrath of Man, and mm. another film that I can't recall. Oppenheimer. He's got like a, Oppenheimer. He's got a, right. He's
3: got a great haircut, and you completely take him seriously as a mathematician, which you would never do.
4: <laughs> no. With
3: <that> stupid haircut. <laughs>
4: Yeah, it's like, man, couldn't you even just find a bowl or something? It just looks like you just went, you, you closed your eyes and you just went freehand on your yeah. own. Yeah, there's there's definitely a serious jack
2: kind of thing going on
4: there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He could, definitely. Tell you what,
3: if he would have had a serious haircut, a proper haircut when he was young, he could have been like, he could be Ethan Hawke today. But, uh, Instead, yeah. he had to disappear for like twenty years.
2: And he also had the long yeah. sleeves underneath the uh, short sleeves. You know, the short
4: sleeves. That's right. That's right. That classic nineties yeah. look. Yeah, very grunge. Absolutely. He was like, "What did, he, did he, Was he from Seattle or something? Is that was that the thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, be. it, it he was. Like it was that post-grunge man. sort of look. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think it's making a comeback, but mainly in women's fashion. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, Excellent. gentlemen, that's all the news and all the releases for this week
2: you want to sign us off like you did
4: last week? I was going to sign us off, but I did listen back to last week's and realize that I just kind of cut the segment there. But anyway, yeah. So until uh, next time, gentlemen, stay physical.
3: All right, Glenn. We were both busy this week. So I did not think of any kind of a new game to play. I just thought we'd go back to a classic. All right. And uh, called... Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Oh, we're doing that. Okay, fuck we, you. Now you've really fucked me. So we pull out a film, yep. which I've done for you here.
2: Fuck. I hate this
3: game. And you have to connect someone in this cast, somehow, to Kevin Bacon in six moves. Oh,
2: so we're actually playing it with... I've never played it with Kevin with Bacon. With Kevin Bacon? No. So, I mean, I'm a bit excited about that, but I just hate this game. I
3: really should have prepared better and given us a pen and paper because you really kind of do need to... You need to draw your way through it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it makes it so much easier (laughs) when you can keep notes.
2: I'll just edit it to make it sound good. How about that? Perfect. All right, to make me sound good. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the first one is Mercury Rising.
2: All right, so we have to go with Bruce Willis.
3: Yeah.
2: Bruce Willis... um, Where do I want to go with that? Have you got it in your head already. Like nod at me if you if you can figure it out. Uh because Kevin Bacon's they've both worked with everybody, so it should be like a one or two jump. Yeah. To connect the dots, and that's where I fail. <laughs> oh, that's easy. Is you it good it in two steps? Oh fuck you. Okay. Um give me a second name.
3: Uh Haley Joel osmond Oh the or oh, the second jump in the Yeah. Well, all right, uh, Demi Moore. Because
2: that's where instinctively I was gonna
3: go. Yeah, Demi Moore. Um, so you, you need the film. What's what connects Bruce Willis and Demi Moore? That well, they were married. That's where I would have gone. No, they need to be, have been in a film together for you to.
2: Oh, that's not how the game works with yeah. the Kevin
3: Bacon thing. Yeah, it's by f- in film. It's
2: connected by film or actor or personality. Like, how can you? No, no, no. no. It's by film. I don't think it is, but if we want to play that rule, then I'm fucked completely.
3: So, well, okay, all right, we'll do, just do this one then as an example. So, okay, so they worked together in, was it Mortal Thoughts? I don't Aren't know. Aren't they both in Mortal Thoughts?
2: I don't even know that movie. Uh,
3: it's the one where they, they're like, they go at as a pretty sure it's Mortal Thoughts. Never heard of it. Uh, but it. But then Demi Moore worked with Kevin Bacon in A Few Good Men.
2: Uh, see, I wouldn't have connected That's those true. two in a few good men. Like, with yeah. some of those on big ensemble <laughs> casts, I, I go for like the top I tier. I think it's
3: Mortal Thoughts. I'm pretty sure it's Mortal Thoughts that they're both in together. It's that one where they're married and one's abusive.
2: Is it like a. um? Yeah, no, they are in it together. Harvey Keitel. I'd never heard of that
3: one. How, how is it I've never heard of that
5: one? Uh, was it
2: a DVD movie or was it
3: theatrical? It was a, it was a big
2: movie. Yeah, I don't remember it at all. It was all. like because
3: it, it was around her, she was Brat Packy type era. I know the poster, though.
2: Okay. Uh, all right. No, that game. That game. I, I don't like this, Ben. I don't like <laughs> this. so uh, it's
3: my go again. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, I solved that one. But okay. Which <laughs> uh, I should just throw them at you. For and the that's the, look. But the, the 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 rule is when you pull out a name, I have to know the movie that you actually pull out of it. Yeah. 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 Oh,
2: of course. Of course. Okay.
3: Hook. Hook. Uh. Hook has. Julia Roberts in it. it oh, there Roberts you go. That's a two stepper. It's Julia Roberts in a Kevin Bacon movie. Yeah. I wish I got that one. Maybe were they in together? Uh, well, there's Dustin Hoffman as well in Hook. Mm-hmm. So the hard part is actually thinking. Funnily enough, is thinking of the Kevin Bacon. Yeah, that's
2: that's what I'm saying. I hate this game because the thought process it doesn't work for me when I'm under pressure.
3: Yeah. Uh, I can't think of a movie with Julia Roberts and Kevin Bacon. Although I'm sure when you say it later, mm. it'll be obvious. It will. It will. Um, because she's not in Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should be in Footloose. But, uh, well John Lithgow's in Footloose. Mm. Uh. <laughs> Julia Roberts. Nancy Allen or John Travolta. I'm feeling better about this now, just by the way. Well, okay, so (coughs) Dustin Hoffman is in Family Business Mm
0: -hmm.
3: with Matthew Broderick, Mm -hmm. who is in Lady Hawk with (laughs) Michelle Pfeiffer, (laughs) who is in... Just, I'm just, yeah. i How many, how no many degrees is that?
2: What about flatliners?
3: Flatliners? Julie Roberts, Julie Roberts is Bacon. in Bacon? Is Kevin Bacon in flatliners? Yeah, he plays Labatio. Okay. So well, I was just going to go. So hang on. So that was, so hang on. So who do I have? I had Dustin Hoffman, Hook. Dustin Hoffman is in Hook. Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick is in Family Business. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's in Lady Hook with Michelle Pfeiffer. So that's three. Mm-hmm. So I've got another three. So, Michelle Pfeiffer it's, is it's in. The,
2: the least amount of steps is the way you win it.
3: Yeah, if you both do it, but you just have to do it. Like when we're, we're doing it, we're just, you just got to get there. Okay. You got to get there. We're not. We're not oh, like okay, If you want to compete against each other for the number of steps well, in I, I, each I, I, one, I, we I, can. See, this is what happens when no, don't, we don't plan. <laughs> we don't plan the rules.
2: <laughs> All right. I have another go. And then I'm tapping out, man. I'm tapping out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we can do it. We can compete. That's why you need a piece of paper so you can write. Well, it down. The way
2: I was like, the way I was competing was like, just each shot is a comp- competing against the last.
3: Oh, okay. So if I say one, then you've got to come up with the next connection. Oh, I don't
2: know. No. No. Anyway, we'll <laughs> <laughs> whatever. We'll okay. So near dark, near dark, near dark, and Kevin Bacon. So I would go. Oh, which direction do I want to go with this one? Jason Patrick ever been in a movie with Julie Roberts? Mm. Mm. Lance Henriksen? Hmm. You also indicate when you've you've connected the
3: dots. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think of who the other people are in Flatliners. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oliver Platt, <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland, William Baldwin, Julie Roberts. Anyway, but what was the movie I did? Oh, Near Dark. I can't even begin to connect up with this
3: one. So, Well, who's in Near Dark? So you've, so you've got, got
2: Lance Henriksen, you've got
3: Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton. Tim Thomason,
2: and Jason Miller's brother. You know, that um, yeah.
3: little kid? The little kid, yeah. But He's, that's not going to help that's me. where my brain goes with that one. Um, oh, Adrian okay. Pazda. Oh.
2: Okay, I can go. Yes. So I'll go Near Dark, that Jason Patrick brother. I don't remember his name. Um, I'm going to play it my way. Not, not use movie. that's that's how it works is no, it's connected no it's by the movies and his brother's Jason Patrick who was in Lost Boys with Keith Sutherland who was in Flatliners with Kevin Bacon <laughs> I can tell you what
3: all the years that this game's existed in my head it's always played that way Six Degrees <coughs> of Kevin Bacon is a parlour game where players challenge each other to arbitrarily choose an actor and then connect them with another actor via a film that both actors have appeared in repeating the process to find the shortest path. Never there's played no it that way. There's just no connecting way. them
2: by <coughs> people or film is enough for me. No, just you got to do it by film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my turn. <laughs> Last one too, because <laughs> this is the of a segment, I reckon. <laughs> no,
3: it's just because you're uh, changing the rules.
2: No, it's not. It's because both of us just are an hour. Oh yeah, there's a lot of editing. All right, vacation.
3: The the new one.
2: Go with the original.
3: With the Chevy Chase one.
2: Yeah. National Lampoon's Vacation.
3: Uh, all right, so say, Oh, I've got it. Chevy Chase is in vacation,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and he is also in who knows what other movies he's in. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: playing by my unofficial rules, it's a pretty easy one if you want to jump uh, into the dark side. I and don't want to do it that way,
3: <laughs> I don't want to do it that way. Um, so who else is in vacation in National Lampoons? It's Christy Brinkley, um, and now the the wife's Beverly D'Angelo. I can't remember who the kids are in that one. Is it Ethan Embry in that one? No. No, He's no, later. the first
2: one would be um what's his Anthony name? Anthony Michael Hall. Yep. And Dana Barron.
3: Well Benji. oh okay then well Anthony Michael Hall. Oh no, hang on. This connects it to near dark because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can like, just connect that through <laughs> to to Bill Paxton. <laughs> well, do it. Do what you have to do. <clears throat> no, but I can't connect. Uh, you didn't connect that one properly, so it doesn't help me. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> but you can you can use my way.
3: I want to use your way. Come across, Ben. Uh, it's fun. So let's say Beverly D'Angelo is in. <laughs> Any which way, but loose. I think with Jeffrey Lewis, who is in. If I go to a TV show, I can do it. (laughs) Uh, You can do that. um, Jeffrey Lewis, who's in. Who's Chevy Chase been in? (laughs) Who's Chevy Chase been in? He's in.
2: Been in lots. He's
3: in Three Amigos, he's in Invisible Man, he's in Cops and Robinson, but I don't know. I I would say they're connected by a writer. What other movies has Chevy Chase done, though? Oh, fucking loads, man. Fletch. Norm from Cheers and Tim Thomas. Did you say Foul Player? Gina Davis. Snow Day.
2: Next time we should put a time limit on this.
3: How do I get him to Bill... Can I get him to Bill Murray? Should be able to. Look. SNL. There's got to be a way. They must... No, that's right. What am I talking about? Okay. <laughs> the, <coughs> so the penny I can drop, drop moment. Yeah, the penny, penny drop moment. <laughs> so, Chevy Chase, Invisible Man stars Chevy Chase, <laughs> who is in Caddyshack with Bill Murray, <laughs> yeah. who is in Wild Things with Kevin Bacon. <laughs>
2: there you go. That's Fuck hilarious. Now what I can do is just <laughs> cut it into that penny do drop that, moment. Yeah. <laughs> Make you look real smart. <laughs> Because I doing it my way, I was going to say um, "vacation" written by John Hughes. John Hughes wrote "She's Having a Baby." See, it's just
3: as well that we did it, we did this live on air, <laughs> so then I could tell you that your rules are bogus. Because other my pl- original plan was yep. before I thought we were just going to give shit to Chad for the whole twenty minutes <laughs> was to just give you the films ahead of time so you could uh, right, yeah, you can plan it ahead, and then we would compare. Like the only rule is, and it's on the honor system, is that you cannot use the computer. Yep but then we have to we compare mm-hmm. to see who got there in the least okay. amount of moves.
2: Well, in fairness to both of us, we didn't prepare at all. No. So we'll do that next time, but you know, in fairness to me, I have the edit control and yeah. I can just <laughs> cut out all <laughs> of your criticisms and just make it sound like my way is the right. Way.
3: Like <laughs> even Wikipedia disagrees with you. Like Wikipedia is reliable. It's written by the people who <laughs> talk about the game. I've never It's written by it.
2: someone that disagrees with the original
3: rules. <laughs> and they've just gone and made a cheeky edit. I've just never heard of that with uh, Kevin Bacon. That's Six <laughs> Degrees of Kevin Bacon. I've never heard of it. you can just just randomly go, well, the sandwich guy on that film. <laughs>
2: I mean, that there's no other song that can rev you up as much as that, Ben.
3: Eye of the tiger. Feeling it? It's a song you listen to at the gym to make yourself go hard.
2: <laughs> I've got the eye for it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you certainly do. That's
2: right. Eye of vagina. It's the th-
3: <laughs> Except you're uh, you're grossing out your rivals.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm grossing myself out. I hope it's not dribbled down to my lips. That's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> anyway. That's that's not an appropriate way to throw to a Brad Anderson interview. Like, imagine the people that are tuning into this episode for Brad Anderson and they get vagina eye. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that from the start. Anyway, all right, Brad Anderson. Let's change the tone here. This is the guy that directed. I'm gonna reel off some movies now: Session Nine, The Machinist, Trans Siberian, The Call, Stonehurst Asylum, Beirut, Vanishing on Seventh Street, Next Stop Wonderland, Happy Accidents. And his most recent film was a 2022 dramatic horror film called Blood with Michelle Monaghan and Skeet Ehrlich, which I really liked.
3: The funny thing is I haven't seen a single one of those films. <laughs> like when you originally pitched it to me, and I was like, no, I don't need to be on this one. <laughs> I've never, I haven't seen any of his films. Yeah. But I didn't realise Next Wonderland was one of them, <laughs> yeah. which I fucking loved. And we talk about that. Yeah. He would have loved your opinion on that one um, when we were having a chat. But uh,
2: anyway, it's a great chat. I hope you do get a lot out of this. The new film, I say new film, his most recent film is Blood, 2022. It's a bit like Misery Meets 28 Days Later. It's sort of a dramatic horror film about a mother who's protecting her child that's infected with a vampire-like disease. Um, It's very cool. But because it's not a new film, there's no reason to have this conversation other than let's just shoot the shit and go back. Why not? Why not have a chat to Brett Anderson? When you're in a position where you can invite people onto a show and just have a conversation, then I'm going to take advantage of that. So I felt particularly lucky for this one because if you go all the way back to the very origins of this podcast we did another show called rewind and digress Jarrett actually hosted that and we did an entire episode on session nine so if you go back through all of our podcasts and look that one up it's a really good conversation and i must say there is a a mild spoiler alert in this conversation (laughs) because we talk about session nine and some of those plot twists because when Jarrett and i and sean crawford back in that podcast talked about it we were I'm in and are in about one of the twists. Is it this? Right. Is it that? And I put that to Brad Anderson. So he does clear that up. But I also give that spoiler warning in the episode. So when you hear me say spoiler and you don't want to know how how
3: session nine ends, maybe just skip. The funny thing now, session nine, Get me don't get me... I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, what's his name, right? It's David... David Caruso. David Caruso, right? But yep. it's post... It's It's post like... um
0: Yeah! <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, I was going to say, it's post NYPD blue. I was doing the sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I was glad you didn't think I was just no. wigging out. Is it? No, hang on. So it's, it's yep. pre-CSI, post CSI. No, it's pre CSI, post NYPD blue.
2: No, I think this is post CSI or mid CSI. Okay. I have a funny feeling that David Crusoe was almost sort of in that almost washed up stage by this time.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah. So it is. So it's, and it's definitely after um, what's that movie you did with uh, Bill Murray and uh, Robert De Niro? Where they they switch parts, and De Niro's the mild mannered cop, and Bill Murray's the gangster, and he falls in love with Uma Thurman. Who?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. But I can't think of that off the top of my head.
3: <sighs> What's that movie? Whatever that movie is called. We're on fire today. Yeah, we're doing really well. <laughs> so it was by that stage I'd already kind of I was over David Crystal, which is why I didn't yeah. watch. Didn't watch the film. I was like, "What's this guy going to do? Take but his sunglasses for ninety minutes?" Peter is in it too,
2: and he's but amazing. But everything I've heard
3: yeah. since then is about how good of a film it is. And yeah. I was like, "Well, we got it in at the video store, and I just I couldn't even be bothered putting it on we, in the store." We did
2: an entire ninety minutes on that show talking about how multi layered it was because nothing is as it seems in that film, and you right. cannot predict where it's going. And that's the it's such
3: a great film. I'm have to check it out.
2: Definitely do. Anyway, once one, once again, spoiler alert! In there, it's around about the twenty minute mark. You'll hear me say it, but otherwise, we'll see you at the other side after, after the boneheads. That is. I always get a thrill uh, talking to people whose work has influenced uh, my film journey. So I really, really am chuffed to be talking to you. Yeah, cool. Um, so my questions are going to bounce uh, back and forth a little bit. So just uh, apologies for that. Bear with me. But I'm I'm going to start with Blood because that's sort of the most recent one that um, is yep. out. Um, I found this film to be completely potent. Like I really did. And it felt kind of raw, almost like a return to some of your, your earlier films um, and firstly, yeah. I want to I want to thank you for putting kids in peril. I love it when filmmakers actually put kids in danger and actually sometimes even severely injure them because I feel like they're the kind of filmmakers you can't trust. They're the ones that, you know, they 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 they're able to string you along and you don't know where they're gonna take you. So this That's film fair. this film did that. Did the producers yeah. ever you know, try to pull you up on that and tell you to tone things down?
6: Well, no, it was in the script. You know, I mean, it was part of the story that as a mother dealing with her son who's gotten he's gotten some sort of illness as we learned in the story and her struggle to you know kind of make him better and so it was all about uh, you know the medical struggle of her son's survival um, And so putting like you know pushing the envelope in terms of what you can get away with in terms of having kids be harmed or look like they're <laughs> harmed in the story. But again, you know, given the fact that he's turning into something sort of monstrous and bad, you can kind of get away with it more like, you know, you think about movies like The Omen where they end up killing a kid at the end, or maybe they don't, they tried it, but they, you know, I think you can get away with stuff. Be Evil, bad seeds are more open to being you know, off in a movie. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that was, but also, you know, trying to find that uh, that connection between a mother and her son and and uh, the emotional component of it was was what drew me to that story. I just found it kind of moving, you know, in that sort of heart-wrenching way of being a parent myself, what you would do, the the lengths you would go to protect your child or make sure your child survived or was healthy, and you know, like you'd just do anything, yeah, know? even if it's your own life or your own life in jeopardy, you know, of course, you're right. you'd make those sacrifices. Yeah, it's a movie about sacrifice, you know, and sacrifice inherently means that someone has to suffer, whether it's you or someone else. Yeah, I I think
2: what made made it even more unsettling was the fact that his character remains sweet all the way through. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of directors would have been
6: tempted to just make him evil. Well, we didn't, you know, we wanted to kind of, it wasn't, it was sort of meant to tread that narrow, that line between what is... The supernatural world and and a world of just like a medical anomaly, like something's happening to this kid. We don't know what it could have a medical scientific explanation or it could be something supernatural. He's possessed by a demon uh, or he's just got some weird rabid new covid nineteen type virus, and this is what's happening to him so. You know, we kept the, the the explanation as to what's happening to the boys, uh, kind of. There's there's, you know, what's in the tree in the story mm-hmm. is sort of one of the big mysteries, and we kind of wanted to keep that. As I always like to do, and appreciate in movies where they don't answer all the questions, right? They leave a little bit of mystery there, so we did in this. But so you could you could answer it in a number of ways, but I like the uh, the idea of thinking of it as uh i mean obviously it's a movie it it deals with the vampire tropes you know like the Mm -hmm. story of a person who's being bitten and turning into a bloodthirsty creature like that's the essence of the story but we also wanted to try to keep it real you know And, Mm -hmm. and grounded and feeling like it could be it could happen and this is what would you do if you were the mother of this kid you know would you go to a exorcist exorcist (laughs) <laughs> or would you go to figure out a way to keep him alive and find blood for him? You know, that yep. was sort of the story.
2: Yep, and um, I hope I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Finlay um, vontek Hissel. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. He's, he's phenomenal in this. How old was he when you shot? And and did he comprehend the story as he was, you know, filming these grotesque scenes?
6: Oh, yeah, yeah. These kids are... They're all... All the kids in... Like, actor kids are very precocious. So, you know, they're <laughs> kind of... He's... Yeah, he was a very... A very mature young kid and and got it and knew what we were doing, and was really into it, right you know yeah uh yeah, he's great, he's a good good kid uh you know we you know it's like anything every time you do a movie with non prof or kids who haven't d- had a lot of experience about mm-hmm. uh, you know just sort of testing them, seeing if they got the chops for what you're trying to do and um and also just have an inherent sort of quality to them because a lot of what their' performance is just them being themselves, you know not. Mm-hmm try to play a character. So yeah, he was quite good and um and uh you know and and you know hopefully he'll it'll when we when we made it he was uh I don't know how he was nine or I think he was nine, maybe ten, I can't remember he was a young kid. Yeah. Um but they grow up fast, you know that's the thing it's weird. <laughs> I saw him recently and he's like, oh my God, the kid's like two years <laughs> sprouted up. Um but yeah, working with kids is, is fun. I mean, it's it's it can it's it can be kind of taxing. It can be challenging. Uh-huh. You got to really kind of be on your toes a little bit. Think outside the box because they do. That's how they operate. Uh-huh. And uh, and you know you can't just rely on all their instincts. Sometimes they're still learning their instincts. They still don't know exactly what they want to do or they think they do, and maybe their choices are wrong. So you have to kind of go with the flow a little bit. But I enjoyed working with those two kids particularly. So uh, it was it was a good experience overall.
2: Yeah, cool. And the film was, in some ways, it was quite contained. And nearly every filmmaker I've spoken to over the last couple of years have had their own
6: stories about COVID productions. Was this your COVID film? In fact, there was. We shot it. I think we were one of the first movies thanks, that shot in the um thick of the pandemic uh mm. we started we up in winnipeg in canada where they they didn't have a lot of cases so we could you know but yep. it was like it was the, you know everyone masked up and ppe and you know and the quarantines and all that so yeah we, uh, we but we, we were i think one of the first or early features to get off the ground and complete without having to shut down a lot of people went deep into their production and had to shut down because everyone got covid or whatever um back then but we got through it, um, and it was, uh, uh, you know, it, it, I think back, it just it already seems like ages ago, that whole reality, um, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that that was my COVID movie, and then I, yeah, because, you know, COVID, it, whole, it lasted a while. It's just ended in the television world. I mean, I've done a few TV things where it's like, they're just now taking off the masks and allowing you to, yep. they were a little bit of a so, uh, but it's kind of, yeah, that's done um i don't know some weird way like when you're doing a movie like that having that those restrictions in terms of being able to connect with people sometimes it it can help you know like you don't get as distracted you you just have to stay more focused um yep you know you don't just yeah so but but in the end it it much prefer not to have to you know talk to my actors wearing a face shield you know it's yeah
2: that. it's been it's been a common story for sure um yeah. nearly everyone i've spoken to said the same and that's the, the one thing about the interviews i've done over the last 12 to 24 months is the, the very similar stories yeah um, yeah for a lot of them. Uh, so your your body of work like as i said before it's been very influential to me um i've always put you in this camp of a very few select filmmakers that i consider to be like event filmmakers because every time one of your films comes out i get particularly excited about it You got such a such a distinct um, cinematic voice. What attracts you to projects like because they are in a way all very unique.
6: Yeah, well that's it. I think it's like I like to. I mean, there's certain stories, uh, themes or tones that interest me. Genres I like darker stories Mm. in the most broad stroke way of it, as opposed to say lighthearted. Comedies, which I've done early in my career, but I sort of took a more detour into the darker side early on in my career, just because that's kind of more in my line of thinking, or just just more interesting cinematically. Frankly, I, you know, you, you think about great comedies and they're great, but you don't think about their how they look as much as how they the jokes and, and so forth. So anyway, I I, uh, I like uh I like to sort of uh, you know I, I got my my taste is sort of, sort of rather eclectic. You know, I I have different you know I done different types of movies from dark thrillers to the horror straight out horror to uh-huh. political dramas the period now i just finished them actually in the process right now of finishing a mix for my new movie um silent hour which is a kind of action thriller all set in a building cool. like you know about cop cop thriller really so it's nothing horrific about it it's just fun thriller stuff so i like that too you know but um but I think I always try to approach every project I do, regardless of what the genre is. I just try to make it as, uh, try to find a way to take the genre, whether it's horror or, or a, a police thriller like we're doing now, and have a have a different way to, a different angle on it, like whether how we shoot it or just even the story. The film I'm doing now is, is a cop thriller, but the lead hero can't hear, and he's trying to protect this woman who's deaf. So half of the movie is done, is, is half of the movie, they're communicating with American Sign Language, you know, signing to each other. So it's like a unique way to sort of have, to, to present the thriller genre in, without a lot of dialogue. You
0: know?
6: yeah. uh, and and so, so that was sort of, that was what attracted me to this particular project. What attracted me to Blood was, as I said, I just found as a father and with two kids, like we really connected with that idea of like, what you would do to protect your kids with other movies I've done, it's more like the movie I did before Blood Fractured, which is a Netflix film. Like to me, that was just like a cool way to do something visually different. Like how do you get inside a character's head? I think a lot of my movies are, a lot of the stories tend to be about singular characters and you kind of get into their headspace and you sort of see the world the way they see it, whether it's Christian Bale's character in The Machinist or character in Session 9 or, you know, it's like, you're kind of getting into their world a little bit and you sort of, and it can be scary in there, you know? It can be kind of creepy and maybe you don't even trust what they're seeing, you know? Mm -hmm. That kind of idea is interesting to me. I mean, the filmmakers that I adore, like growing up were like the Kubrick's and the Polanski's and Hitchcock, like, you know, psychological thrillers uh, you know uh, dark paranoid thrillers like that's always been like the stuff that i enjoy and i've done those but again i don't always like to do the same thing yeah i, I mean you know um and part of that's just to keep it to try out new things and also it's frankly also sometimes a function of just like what so they, what movie gets off the ground first you know like you or an opportunity, you know, it's not always just like, I can do whatever I want whenever I want, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it, frankly, it's like, this movie is ready to go. We got the money. Let's do it. You know? Yeah. Um, so there's that to consider, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, every movie I approach in the way that I done it from the first movie I ever did, it was just like, this is my thing. And I get really excited. I get really, I, I want to create something that's artful as well as entertaining and interesting and fun to watch, you know?
2: The one thing I connected with your work the most was a few years ago. I this I don't I don't mean this to be embarrassing for you, but I I discovered your film Frankenstein's um, Planet of Monsters, right? <laughs> and, really well. and I connected with that because that's the kind of shit that you know I was making when I was in film school, and you know yeah yeah. So I think maybe that's did you're already on my radar by then, obviously, because I went and looked for that. But um, I really connected with you. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one. Um. And I'm glad you mentioned Fractured too, because of of all the films that you've done, that's the only one that's really caught me off guard because I usually get um press kits and things like that to to know when a filmmaker's got a new thing coming. But Netflix don't really oh, yeah. do that. And so I didn't know okay. that one was coming. I just saw the thumbnail, clicked on it, and when your fucking name came up, I was like, <laughs> Yes, I had no idea. So and it was a cool yeah. movie working with an Aussie. It was good yeah. stuff.
6: Yeah, no, it's and it's fun doing, yeah. You know, that was uh I hadn't done anything with a streamer before. Uh, but you know, I mean, only in the sense that they're not really involved. I mean, maybe they are now when mm-hmm. I did it, they weren't, you can kind of make the movie you want to make they gave you a budget, go off and make your movie. Like that's always what every, any filmmaker really wants. So that they gave us freedom to do what we wanted, which was cool. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I don't know the, there there's certain themes in the work, the films I've done, but, um, I think, you know, uh, I always, try to just um not be pigeonholed you know like Mm -hmm. um they do the same thing again and again um it's just how i like to work
2: yeah cool um if i I take you back just for a moment to session nine that's just like one of the great one of the great psychological horror slash thriller movies of all time i fucking love it um, oh, you. And and you mentioned that you had done comedies. Was it a concerted effort? Like I know you you're saying that you're attracted to the dark side, but did you decide at that point in time that this is the direction you have to take?
6: Well, yeah, my first two movies were romantic comedies, um, and that's kind of how I got to start in this business. They they yeah you know, they premiered at Sundance. I sold mm-hmm. one to Miramax, and it was like you know successful in to whatever extent in my early when I first was starting making films. It was like oh this is great so sort of that was what i was sort of i mean only on two movies then or three movies but they were all romantic comedies and that's kind of how i was sort of known and so all the movies at miramax this is i sold my the, i sold one of my movies to miramax and they gave me a, a, a three picture deal whatever mm-hmm, that means sure back then so they were like we're going to give you other movies to do and they, they were all romantic comedies of the same ilk of the movie i'd made and i was just kind of like really it's not interesting to me <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. i feel like i don't i mean i i mean occasionally i watch them but making it, it was different because it's my movie but watching just doing other amanda comedies wasn't point being that like yeah you're right i i i realized like ah, this is not really the kind of films that i want to be known for or do and so i with my friend steve we i'd always loved horror from the beginning and that never changed and uh, psychological horror especially so session nine with evolved out of that the, the the concerted effort to break away from doing something like light and fun and romantic and funny <laughs> which is not how you would describe session nine so like that's yeah so we made i made a concerted effort to sort of do something totally 180 degrees at what i'd done before which i liked. Yes. and, and, and then i of you know just sort of like sort of fell into that and then my movie after that was Machinist and that was also sort of dark so it was just kind of like okay well these are the movies that are more I like doing these movies more, it's more yeah. fun more enjoyable that's,
2: that's, they're the two, you pair those and you you realize that you're a bit of an awe to it because that's where like my my excitement for what you were doing in the future always came from those two particular films. Oh yeah. Did Session 9 having pivoted from comedy to, to horror slash thriller, did that open new opportunities for you or was it the Machinist that sort of did that?
6: Well, different opportunities in different ways, like my first movie, as I said, which I sold at Sundance, opened up a lot of opportunities for me because, you know, Miramax put it out and suddenly yep. you're kind of on the radar and I got an agent and that sort of got me a foothold. Um, and it was, you know, it did well enough, whatever, I don't know, whatever. But and I think, yeah, I think those movies, um, not maybe in the moment, but in over the course of time have become more uh uh they've they've sort of gotten me and when i do interviews about any uh, any other film it's often that session i and the Machinists get brought up because <laughs> those are earlier movies of mine and people seem to have liked them for whatever reason so but yeah i mean they've given me uh yeah particularly session nine which is made which is a small movie made for mm. no money um i mean in the grand scheme of things no money um and uh you know that movie's surprisingly become very uh uh you know is op- like a lot of other- has opened up a lot of doors in terms of like other kinds of projects and producers who really like it want me to read a script that they've written or that they have they want to do that kind of thing you know yeah or even yeah. actors who've seen it or want to who admire it so yeah it's kind of cool um you know so but uh, yeah, so I, I mean, it, it, it doesn't it's there's nothing bad about that, like having a movie that <clears throat> that, you know, kind of helps open doors. Um, but, I, you know, I have this tendency to kind of, uh, you know, I think maybe Fractured was the one movie that was the closest to very session nine type movie. Yeah. But I haven't done a movie like that in a while. I, I'd like to do another sort of dark, really like really kind of quintessential kind of horror movie in a way. Um so I've got a couple of those in my back pocket that I'm trying to get off the ground. And yeah, having done session nine shows that you could do that. Mm. Um, so that doesn't hurt. Um, but, uh, but yeah, those films, uh, do you have helped you go?
2: Do you have a lot of people asking you like, you know, to explain parts of session nine, like, you know, cause we have conversations about it all the time on our show. Um, it's something that, um, that we, yep. we, I, I believe I've got it worked out. A lot of people that I talk to have different opinions and, I'm just going to just lay down a, a little bit of a spoiler alert here in case I do um, blurt it out. But Peter Mullen's character, like, I have it in my head that he killed on day one. Yeah. Is that is that how it wor- was in your head when you wrote it?
6: Yeah, it's kind of... Well, the story was... in. I wrote with my friend Steve. We wrote this script that was based on this awful murder in boston when i was living in boston after for a time mm-hmm. um and this guy uh worked as an insurance broker or something came home one night from work and was just under the gun or whatever his wife made him this is a, this. these are the details from the from the actual story yes his wife made him pasta dinner and and she was uh and, and uh one thing led to another they got into a fight and he killed her and cut off her head and put it in the backyard on a steak <laughs> what? and, and, and then proceeded to go to work, put on a suit and tie, get showered in the morning and go to work every, for the next four or five days and have normal conversations with people and do work related stuff and then come home and take a shower and go to bed and get up and do his normal routine. Like yeah. nothing had ever happened. Meanwhile, his wife's head was <laughs> on a steak in the backyard. And like, then they, then, you know someone i can't remember how it ended but he got caught and mm. and to me that and that and the, the 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 tagline in the story was like how could this this seemingly normal everyday guy crack like this guy did mm. but then completely like bury what he had done psychologically so he could go around in his everyday business that idea was interesting to me so yeah session nine was riffing off of that and gordon's character is kind of like the guy in the movie yeah he kills his wife and his child, small child. Um, and in the story, I don't think he kills him on day one. He kills him that night. When he comes home the next – when he comes to work the next day, they're dead, if yep. you want to look yep. at that. And, um, and we don't know that. But, like, he does or doesn't because he's sublimated it yep. or something. And, like, so so then it's just kind of like he's, he's now a monster and doesn't know it, you know? Yep. Uh And then – and so, part of that idea of someone who can push down something as horrific as that, and 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 also can not acknowledge their own monstrous impulses until the end of the movie, maybe mm. to me that's really cool. And of course, Peter Mullen, the actor, when you He's read it, he read it, yeah, it's a cool like character to play. Man, it's crazy. Like, it's so much going on. But I mean, you know, purposely in the movie. Or even in some cases, not purposely, but I guess you always say, "Oh yeah, I intended that." Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like there's a lot of questions in the story and about the, about the session tapes and and Gorton and then and like the characters in the session tapes that the sort of like the sort of characters we hear in in those weird tapes mm-hmm. and how that connects. And a lot of that was like, you know, and and why did Gordon do it? Was he possessed by Simon, this weird character that we hear in the tape? That was is Simon like a kind of spirit that lives in that abandoned mental hospital? Was it a patient at the hospital that in, 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 inspired, like somehow, uh, possessed him? Or I mean, keeping a lot of the, those sort of weird possibilities alive was good and then that, that even the last line in the movie where you hear the, the simon character say what, he, the doctor asks him like where do you live simon he goes i live in the gut i live in the gut like this he can get in you simon whatever yeah. simon is if simon is a metaphor for evil or yeah. monstrous you can be possessed by him anyone can you know and he can get into you and like he can get in your gut and make you do awful fucking shit yeah so like it's a possession movie to a certain degree." you know uh but it's also a haunted house movie in a way Mm -hmm. and it's also just an awful tragedy about a tragedy in a way um a crap movie but uh but i like the fact that it, it it's a little that there are you can interpret it in different ways i suppose like what happened and keeping it ambiguous is always in my mind like as long as it's not like ambiguous to the extent where it's just annoying or whatever as long as it's intriguing. Like, okay, well, maybe. Why did Gordon do it? And what does that shot mean at the end of the movie? Like, keeping all that stuff there is cool. Now, you know, the question is like, how much of it is intentional versus just like in the, you know, when you make a movie, a lot of it there's a lot of intention. Obviously, you're the director. You're trying yeah. doing t- shots and performances with the music we use, whatever. All those are intentional choices. But at the same time, a lot of times because a movie is it's up for interpretation yeah so you know an audience will watch something and see something in your film that you never saw before you know and they'll be like oh cool yeah and you can i like i didn't intend that but <laughs> you like if you want to interpret that way i'm happy to have you do it i do feel or like you
2: could... i do i do feel like there were like hints in the truck like things that were in his truck that he put there <laughs> yeah. on day one okay. that were in that flashback right at the end i'm like that shit wouldn't be there unless it was this particular yeah no
6: okay you're right in that sense like we wanted to plant little easter eggs and again subtle shit that you may not pick up unless you watched it a couple times or whatever but yeah like you know if you've killed someone and you're and you don't want the audience to know about the murder till the end of the movie but you want to hint at the possibility of it then yeah there's places you can like just the fact that he has a a wound you know like how did he get the wound he says he got it one way but maybe not you know and so building suspicions around him as a character but also Using the other characters as sort of red herrings, deflecting them a little bit, deflecting mm-hmm. that suspicion was part of it. But it's a movie about dread, you know, I, I, like and, and, and like the the sense that some impending awfulness is just over the horizon, you know, like mm-hmm. that's kind of that tone. That I, uh, and, and 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 to mention the, my other movie, Fractured, which is similar in that sense, like it's another story about a guy who's done something awful mm-hmm. yet can't recall it you know he's buried the he's buried the crime in a way and then comes to the awful realization of what he's done or maybe doesn't you know in the end of the movie like is gordon aware of what what he's done or is he going to live forever in his his sort of like fantasy of he's an innocent man or if ultimately Mm -hmm. when he's charged so yeah i like those movies i think maybe I mean like i think about one of the first films i saw one of my first like hitchcock psycho you know it's the same idea you know at the end of the movie like here you've got like you know a character who has completely become this monster this his mother and like you know that was there was a bit of that in the movie you know mm-hmm. in the sense of uh, having a split personality you know um you know uh and seeming to be one thing but in reality or something else that's always creepy the fact that anyone a seemingly normal sweet person you know um like norman bates could be a monster you know like that's always a creepy premise
2: for sure absolutely um before i begin to wrap things up i want to throw some fun questions at you um i used to own a video store and i used to love recommending your films to people and i'm hoping that there are some people listening that if they don't know your work they'll be very keen to go and, and dive into it but i'm wondering oh, if cool. if you know if you had to recommend one of your films to somebody that's never heard of you which one would it be and you can't say blood because every director always says the most recent one <laughs> <The> last <laughs> movie they did, yeah.
6: um i did actually it's not a movie but it's a show i did it's a it's an episode of a show i did which i really liked which is this it was a show that came out uh, and it's on video. I, I mean, it's on video or it's on some, mm-hmm. you can get probably streaming. I'm not sure, but it's called. It was a, it was an episode of a show called masters of horror. And Great it was show. like a series of uh, directors that they hired, like, you know, Wes Craven and other people like myself who were you know not on that level, but mm-hmm. they hired like several directors and they basically allowed you to go and make any dark horror movie you want, as long as it was under an hour. And that, you know, there were no strings. It was really cool. It was a cool premise. And there were some good, good episodes or whatever. And then it was like an anthology, like, like yeah. sort of like mirror or something. And I did one called sounds like, which I really just thought was, I, I just liked it. Cause it was about a guy who's, who's, um, who has a super sense. He can hear things like you like you know he can hear the worms crawling in the grass 50 yards away and he can hear the buzzing of a fly up there on the ceiling and 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 then he ends up and and it's sort of like a murder story but then he gets haunted by the fe- the guilt of having killed his wife it's another yeah
2: <laughs> i'm sensing the theme but, here. So,
6: but anyway it's all sound it's all it's the whole movie is very much based on the use of sound kind of like mm. session yeah a lot of sound employed in that movie to tell the story anyway i just mentioned that because it's something that maybe not a lot of people have seen but it's a it's called sounds like and it was part of the masters of horror anthology and it's not a feature but it's i, I just really like i was quite proud of what we pulled off on a low budget and, and under yeah. an hour and it's a creepy kind yeah. of like and there's great music in it and it's really great sound design i mean in terms of features i mean i don't know i'd go maybe go i'd be you know i would say if you're interested in my work and want to see the ver- the versatility of. A director who can who likes trying out different genres go see one of my first films called next stop wonderland which was a romantic comedy (laughs) (laughs) one that i sold to miramax um with hope davis and uh and uh and a, a really great cast of characters it was my first sort of independent film and it's a it's a sweet uh romantic comedy set in boston great soundtrack totally different than a lot of my other work but what I'm saying is, as a director, you're always trying to reinvent, I, I at least I am, is trying mm-hmm. to sort of reinvent myself a little bit. Um, so, that, you know, the ones, the darker ones are out there, and you can watch them, and they're cool. But there's something, it might be interesting to see something on, on a lighter scale. And it's not like goofy, it's not like, you know, like, it's not goofy romantic comedy. Like, you know, it's more like, a, a, it's a little bit more of a, a melancholy, like, whimsical romantic comedy.
2: Yeah. So, anyway. and, and, and if I'm not mistaken, that was like one of the earlier shot on digital, wasn't it?
6: Not that one. No, the first no? one on digital was session nine, actually. Yeah. Oh, right. Cool. There we go.
2: Yeah. Um I'm glad you, you did mention Masters of Horror though. Uh, Mick Garris is a good friend of our shows. And yeah, yeah. the thing that about the thing about that um show was they treated every episode like a movie. Like they felt like actual Yeah, movies. yeah.
6: That's what was cool about it. You could you're essentially making an hour long movie, and you know, it wasn't like an episode of a show. It was
2: yeah. yeah was, totally, yeah. totally awesome, awesome show. Um, what's the first movie you remember seeing as a kid that that lit the fire? You know, the the bug of our uh, making uh, a movie?
6: well it was I think it was uh, it might have been seeing Lawrence of Arabia with my father. Huh. Cool. Uh, you know, nothing to do with what I, I mean. I, you know, but seeing that epicness and that scope on a movie and like kind of it's transported to this world that's completely foreign to you. And I mean, I, I remember seeing that movie, you know, when I was a small child um, and it was just like, wow, man, that's like that's what cinema can do. Uh, you know, th- that's one I specifically remember seeing. Um, but I think the movies that, like, you know, I, I grew up in, you know, my informative like film years were like the '70s and '80s, really. Um, you know, late '70s, early '80s, into you know, like so a lot of the stuff that I was influenced by, were, like you know, Spielberg, of course, uh-huh. like Close and Kind, Third Kind, and the big popcorn movies of the day, which you watched, and you were like, "Wow, that's what movies are!" And wouldn't it be cool to do that? Like, I wasn't watching like hip, cool uh-huh. European film. Yeah. But those movies were definitely influential. But yeah, for some reason Lawrence of Arabia, which I still to this day like is like that's a mass that's a masterful filmmaking. That no there can't be any way any other way to put it. Yeah, only
2: just before we um we jumped online together I was watching um Christopher Nolan do one of those videos, going through a video store and picking out favourites and Lawrence of Arabia was like just the one oh, yeah? that, that yeah. stood out. Like it's it's a it's a comic
6: <laughs> yeah, he's got the the precision of like directing the way David Lean did. I mean, he's like a, a master, you know. So yeah, I can yeah, see that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
2: awesome. Well, um, I'm gonna wrap it up here, but I thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you. Yeah, true. Sure. And I'm, you. now I'm excited to know you've got this uh this new sort of uh, action thriller movie coming out. So I'll be on the on the lookout for that.
6: Yeah, it'll be coming out uh hopefully sometime uh you know in the fall or early next year. Brilliant. Thank yeah. you, sir. <laughs> all right well, great talking i hope list. to get to know one of these days
7: welcome to bonehead weekly fun size and this is another one that's from chad's dungeness crab mind and he just texts us one night and he goes you know what we should do as a topic and i like ninja turtles and he's like no we're going to do what chad first of all that's not
1: what happens chad my he story's shows- better Joe texted us today and said, hey, how about we do a segment on Ninja Turtles? And I kind of had a problem because I was like, I don't think we could do a good segment for Ben if we just talked about Ninja Turtles. So I said, hey, how about we just do a
7: segment on humanoid animals? But Google Uh, humanoid animals. That's actually kind of not a thing. It's called anthro. Pormorphic, polymorphic, por-morph- pomorphic. See, I can't, I screw it up. Anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic, and James is the one who's tongue-tied, and we want to do one of those about, but I'm not going first because I don't know that I still understand the assignment, but we're right. going to tackle it. James, you want to go, and then I'll go? I'll go,
5: because I'm going to talk about one that I really, really love, and I, you all can bad mouth with all you want. It even begins by saying, this is a story that's been retold time and time again, And even the animals have a version of it. And then we're treated to Walt Disney's Robin Hood. Yep. With an anthropomorphic fox and all of that stuff. And to be honest, I watched it again a while back. It had a soft spot in my heart as a kid. I love the Robin Hood mythology. I'm a show. It doesn't need to be redone anymore, but I love that story. And Disney did do something kind of cool with it. I agree. You get All these different animals. It's a lot of fun. It's it's, it just works for me. Oh, so there's some anthropomorphic see. also. And that's what I was going to say. And the voice cast from Roger Miller as the balladeer all the way down. The rest of the, it's classic Disney voice actors having fun. I so know. yes, Robin Hood, anthropomorphic animals it is one of the best tellings of the robin hood mythology and i'll almost find anybody on that
7: all right mine is not the best mine is one of the oddest okay and the reason i picked this is just because i didn't think either one of you and it's based on a 1963 children's book but i want to talk about 2009's uh, where the wild things are yeah. it is a bizarre movie made by spike jones that has some incredibly good scenes in it and I need to revisit it someday because I don't know that I was able to dissect and actually just take it all in. It's such a it it, because that movie, I mean, the I mean, movie, the movie's different than the book. As far as the movie's about a little boy growing out of anger, it's yeah. it's, a,
5: it's a heavier movie than it is a book. And the book is a classic. Yes. and I'm not. I mean, it is honestly one of the I would argue one of the most important children's books in some time. But the movie. Does that, but also somehow makes it, it, it. If you watch it as an adult, it's heavier than the book. Yeah. The, the
1: movie, the movie Lebowski. Me, um, I, I'll be honest with you all. I watched it the first time. Did not care for it at all. But I went back and watched it a second time and I absolutely loved it.
7: Yeah, so, I need to go back and watch it. I know it's a work of art. I know that it was several years in the making. I know it's one of those things that soured the relationship with Spike Jones and Warner Brothers, if you go back and look into it. And I don't want to talk a lot because we only have five minutes. But Where the Wild Things Are is a bizarre little movie that never, I, I just don't hear about anymore. Chad.
1: Mine is a little off kilter um, because I was kind of thinking of along the lines of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I was like well what's a movie that is like Turtles but different uh Roller of Gator. Talk, instead of Turtles we have Ninja Kangaroos I'm talking about Warriors of Virtue 1997 <laughs> directed by Ronnie Yu I love Ronnie Yu but you know I've never seen the picture okay there's two reasons to watch it one Angus McFadden just seen ch- uh, chewing every single scene that he's in. Just over the top, cartoonish style. Simply the the way the movie is shot. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. The plot's a little weak. Uh, the kid actor Mario Yadida, mm-hmm. I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he doesn't. He's not very well cast in this movie. But the the ninja kangaroos are they each ninja each kangaroo is powered by a certain element. You have metal. You have wood. You have fire, air, so on and so forth. Heart? No, nope, there's no heart. There's no Captain Planet in this one. They replaced Heart with Metal.
5: I do my music. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, uh, and also Doug Jones plays one of the Kangaroos. Another reason to watch it. But I mean, it also has another support. It has a great supporting task. Dennis Dunn's in it for a few minutes, guys. Uh, the, the he, If you don't know who I'm talking about, he's the gentleman from Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, also, Tom Tolles and Lee Ehrenberg is in it as well, as lo- along with Michael J. Anderson. Uh, but yeah, it's a great, it's an interesting film. Uh, it's right there in the tone of te- uh, Teenage Mutant Turtles, just not as well done. So warriors of virtue. Again, I'm a huge fan of Ronnie. U as well.
7: This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size.
2: What do they say? And and
7: anthropomorphic.
2: Yeah, that's which is be, hard to say. Gotta be the when you're googling. Words. You know, do like. Well,
3: you always as long as you <laughs> put as long as you put Rule Thirty Four before it, you'll be fine. Just leave that. I'm just let's just not explain it. <laughs> just leave it out there for people to try at home. All right, you can explain it to me after the show. Rule Thirty Four. <laughs>
2: Where the Wild Things Are, that's a fantastic movie. And and of course, um, Warriors of Virtue, oh, I keep strumming my thing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You're strumming my pain with your fingers with that thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, Warriors of Virtue, I haven't heard that movie come up for a long time.
3: I remember it being such a big deal at the time, like yeah. the kids loved, like that in Holes. <laughs> yeah. With Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf and Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah. LaBeouf. La Beef. I always think it's like LaBeouf after, after uh, <laughs> whatchamacallit, Um Cowboys or whatever. What's <laughs> the what was the Coen Brothers remake of the John Wayne movie? The True Grit. True Grit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Matt Damon. There was a Warriors of Virtue too. La Nathan beef.
2: Nathan Phillips was in. Did you know that? Really? No, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I can't find it anywhere. I, I remember wanting to be a completist and add it to my collection
3: of Nathan Phillips films or <laughs> of Warriors of Virtue films. <laughs> Warriors
2: of Virtue. <laughs> like it had some kind of tragic backstory because I think the stuntman died making that film. So some. There's some weird story behind he just it. Just died doing what he loved. That's it's right. Tragic. I love that Chad also mentioned Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because that comes out this week at the cinemas. Good timing. Good timing. Well Excellent. done. Excellent. Yes. Well done, Chad. <laughs> You've done it again. Should we recommend some movies? Let's do Ooh. it. All right. I've made no notes here. I just know what I'm going to recommend, and do it, it is uh, attached to the song that we <coughs> played just before the Boneheads or before Brett Anderson, I should say. Uh, I have The Tiger. It's a movie from 1986 with Gary Busey. What a Banger of a movie. I Dare have not seen this movie since VHS days. It's one of those ones I had with like Dead Bang and and um, Above the Law or Fixing the Shadow that yeah. Charlie Sheen one with the motorbikes.
3: Michael Madsen. Yeah. I think it's much better than uh, Dead Bang. I know you love Dead love Bang, and I was so down for it when I watched it, and I'm like, Ugh.
2: I love Dead Bang with <laughs> passion. anyway, John Frankenheimer,
3: isn't it? It is freaking yeah. and and Don Johnson. But, but, uh, that's but no, Eye of the
2: Tiger it. is by uh, Richard Serafin. That's the only note I've got here. He's a guy that made Vanishing Point. And I don't know. Look, this is one of those very formulaic movies where you've got a guy that's been in prison, comes home to his hometown, which has been taken over by uh, a, a bad motorcycle gang. Like, and they're the yeah. bad kind Led of by people.
3: William Smith, who <laughs> yeah. I find it hilarious because William Smith in multiple films has either played... The, head, the evil biker yep. or the guy in town who's taken on the bikers. That's right. He's yeah. played both <laughs> sides of it.
2: He's, he's got a very Vernon Wells
3: look going on Boy, in this one. He. And the Vernon, but like a much deeper voice.
2: Yep. And you've got, um, is it Seymour? I'll C- get you for this Gary Seymour music? Cassell plays like. like the Brian Dennehy Sheriff character from Rambo. Like he's the yeah. guy that's he's on on board with the bikers. Who has a really weird giggle
3: throughout the film. <laughs> 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 he's,
2: it's, it's, I mean, I would have picked someone else to play that character, to yeah. be honest with you. He's a very he's, odd choice. Although I guess he's, he's he's very much he's a little pussy in this, right? And he's yeah under the biker's thumb. I guess that's how he can be under their thumb. He's is controlled by them.
3: But yet his attitude towards the rest of the town is that like he's like the dominant Yeah yeah. Like he's it's cowed true. the town. That's true, yeah. And yet
2: yeah. <laughs> it's he's so weird. contemptuous for everybody. Yeah. Um and who else was in this one? Yeah, that's who I was thinking. Yafit Kodo. Uh and you, the thing about this movie that stands out to me. So anyway, Gary Busey. Before I get to that, comes out of jail and he decides that he's going to have to be the one that cleans up the town. He's going to have to get rid of these bikers,
3: and that's well, when he kind of has no choice, right? Because he's he's working security at a construction site. That's yeah. all he can get. It, when which he, gets is, out of he used to be the foreman of. He used to be the foreman yeah. of. Yeah. And then he, while he's there on the night watch, he overhears the bikers raping a nurse. Yes. And he goes and rescues her. Yep. And then they they
2: bring they drag him into their yeah, world because the.
3: It it feed, like it, it make watching it it makes you so angry when it happens because the reporters come to his house and literally they're like <laughs> no. tell you his address yeah. the whole thing and you're <laughs> like are you f- what but he doesn't care at the time no he's, he's oblivious
2: he um, loves it he's loving the attention so he takes it upon himself to take on the biker gang and in in um return they kidnap his daughter and then it's all hell for leather it's on yeah. for old young.
3: the other thing that's really weird is that uh, um, what's his name the sheriff Yep like Seymour Cassell like he rescues the the woman from being raped and the the sheriff wants to put him back in prison for being a vigilante every
2: every heroic thing he does and the the town's on board like clean it up and the the sheriff's like no like you know you've got a knife in your pocket (laughs) you're going away son yeah It's ludicrous, but it just works. I think every beat is hit well. It moves at a fast pace, and it's as violent as fuck. Yeah. It decapitates like there, and there's explosions where bodies go in every direction. It does that
3: like that's yeah that decapitation scene where straight, he puts the fish wire across the road and the bikers like, come. That along. was something out of those hell of, those horror books that you used to read yeah. as a kid. Yeah, where the, you know they would do it by accident, and they yep. I never thought it was going to decapitate someone. Yeah. And he does it and it is awesome.
2: Yeah, and like and it doesn't flinch. Like it actually gets up close with the heads that roll and yeah. and you, you see, see the, the fleshy yeah. bits and the bones and stuff. It's great.
3: The only problem with that scene is mm. it's supposed to have been uh the the head biker's brother. Yeah. But because he's wearing a bicycle helmet, when he gets to... Cap, you, you don't know whose head it
2: is. No, that's right. Only you, he... You have to wait you, for the reaction. You have to the... wait
3: for the reaction because <laughs> all you're seeing is a stump neck.
2: And I mean, I'm sure it wasn't the first to do this. I know it wasn't the first to do this This um, this um, formula. But since then, you've had like Last Stand and you've had um, Walking Tall and all these. All that The original Walking Tall came first.
3: Yeah. And um, there was this Fighting Mad. Yeah.
2: like, But I feel like... When I watch all these, these subsequent ones, my mind goes back to *Eye of the Tiger*. Have you ever seen *Fighting Mad*? No, I haven't. I'm
3: pretty sure. I'm. I hope I'm getting it right that yep. if this *Fighting Mad* is the one I'm talking about with Jan Michael Vincent, and he comes back to his mm. his hometown, and like a, the criminal gang has taken over. So he calls his brother Chris Christopherson, who's like a Vietnam yep. vet to come with his buddies and get rid of the bad element. And yeah. they do, yep. but then they decide to take over the town and uh. they're even worse than the... <laughs> so great. then Jan Michael Vincent has to stand up and uh, take on his own brother if to would, save the if town. If we were doing
2: actual themed episodes again, we could do that genre as a we theme. We could do it, yeah. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Maybe throw it to the boneheads and let them tackle it. Um, it would be great. Okay, so I Have the Tiger, good excuse to play a song, great movie. And Gary Busey back then was the best. He was the best. Like it's before he became goofy.
3: Because it's silver bullet. It's actually no. It's pre. It's it's actually around. It's not. It's before lethal weapon. And but he's in lethal weapon shape. He's Mister Joshua shape. He's not silver bullet where he's the fat uncle. No, that's right. Or Buddy Holly when he's skinny. When he's skinny, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, but he's always loved buttered sausages.
3: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's terrifying. That video is absolutely. That's all AI. Did you know? Is it really? It's not him. Yeah, it's AI. That is amazing. I know
2: it's fucking <laughs> incredible. I kiss it on the lips.
3: <laughs> oh wow.
2: Yeah. Um. I'll play it at the end of the uh, episode after the song. Everyone. <laughs> All right. Your turn to recommend.
3: Uh. Well. Look. I. I did. Uh. Jump on. On. Uh, well. Jump on. I did go through my DVD collection looking for another '80s banger when I saw that you were doing this one. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it's got to be an easy, and I watched a bunch, like I, I or I tried to watch like things like Asphalt Warriors, which is a mm. French yep. kind of Serpico type movie, but with Daniel Ortiel playing um, mm. the the uh, Al Pacino kind of character, yep. and stuff. But in the end I just I put them on, and I hadn't seen it. I didn't actually watched it properly. I would just seen the trailer, and yep. the trailer was great. But I was just like, I can't be fucked watching this, and so instead, <laughs> I skipped a decade. I went to the 90s, and I was like, you know what? Mm. And also, because, and this will come up later, I wanted to choose a movie that shared its title with the song. Yep. And so I was like, well, Broken Arrow has a great song. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll do Broken Arrow, Mm, which is, you know, John Woo's, I think, second um, English language film after Hard Target. But I think this was, I think he'd already done Hard Target, but this is when Hard Boiled and... um, uh what's the, what was the other one? The Hitman one. Uh with Jay on Fat. Mm. They're both with Jay on Fat yeah, Killer. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And we're really blowing up like on video here. And so And I know, think Broken Bro- Arrow was a big deal. And I think Broken
2: know, Arrow was John Travolta's first step away from
3: Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and it's it shows like it was yeah. it's an amazing when you look back on it now, historically speaking, it is an amazing film because John Travolta is essentially the villain of the film. Yep. Christian Slater is the hero. John Travolta gets top billing. Yeah, that's right. All of the stuff, it's on him. And he like, has obviously seen what's worked with Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And so he is trying, even though he didn't really have a lot of these affectations and stuff in Pulp Fiction, it was just a cool character. Yeah, yeah. He, like the way he holds his cigarette. He changed. The way he talks. Yeah. He really is mugging for the camera and trying to, you know, mm-hmm. pull a Steve McQueen in The Magnificent Seven. And steal every shot he's in. One of the great Hollywood
2: comebacks. And that era, like I reckon 10 yep. years of his career from Pulp Fiction you know, onwards is just defined by those characters.
3: By those kind of characters, yeah. And this is where it started. For here. I think this would have been the first film he ever played the bad guy in. Yeah, and Face Off. He's good in Face Off. He's great in Face Off, yeah. yeah, which would come later. Yep. Um, Not too much later, though. No, no, no. I think yeah. it's like the next... Yeah, it's a couple of years. The next one that they worked on together. So mm. basically the, the conceit of the film is that... Um, Christian Slater and John Travolta are both airline pilots. Yep. Uh, sorry, not airline pilots, army pilots. And they, they're taking a stealth bomber up uh, across New Mexico. So you New are Minnesota going desert. with this as your recommendation? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. It, yeah. I thought
2: you'd switched it because you couldn't, couldn't get the song.
3: No, no. Okay, <laughs> I'm with you now. I'm excited. No, 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 I'm still doing it. No, that's my gag for later. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, to ruin
3: that? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so... they're they're Air Force pilots who are doing a test run with a a uh, nuclear-armed stealth stealth fighter. Mm -hmm. And while they're up, John Travolta basically attacks Christian Slater and he manages to fight him off and eject out. And I should mention that John Travolta is a superior officer. He's a major Mm -hmm. and Christian Slater is a captain. And at the start of the film, they're having a boxing match and... um, John Travolta beats the living shit out of Christian Slater, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and apparently it's a it's a kind of a a, um, a motif in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but he basically is trying to steal the nukes, yeah, yeah. And he he had planned to kill Christian Slater, but Christian Slater, with the help of Samantha Mathis, who they and they're reteaming after um, Pump Up the Volume, mm-hmm. yes. uh, which would have maybe been a decade right earlier. Out. Um, have to try and stop him, and it's full of. It's got like a. It's got a great cast. Delroy Lindale pops up as I mentioned bob gunton is like a um, john Travolta, cd kind of backer yeah daniel von bargen is one of the generals like it's all it's just everyone everyone and everything in it is great
2: yep i loved this film when it came out and
3: it's like it's a weird one cuz i it is definitely like a big set piece action movie yeah and he look like, is it you know he does a couple of trademark two handgun kind of scenes, and Christian Slater, like this, I think this this and Hard Rain are two of Christian Slater's kind of best... I,
2: I felt at the time that this was like... Action movie. ...Christian Slater's comeback as yeah. well, right? How many bloody comebacks yeah. has he had? Like, even since then, it's like, it seems like he has these renaissances every... Five years or so. Yeah, something different comes along. Mr. Robot came along, and suddenly you're like, "Oh my god, Christian Slater! That's what he's I doing." I forgot the, how
3: good this guy yeah, was. Yeah, that's right. How he's charismatic always good. he is, yeah. and how yeah, he's never not been good. Yeah, yeah. I just and it is so, it is so weird. It is it is like it does take you aback when you realise that Christian Slater is not the lead character, even though <laughs> yeah. he's the hero of the <laughs> yep. film. Yep. Far out. Uh, but it is definitely a lot of fun. A lot of non-stop, pretty much non-stop action. It's got some great. There's a couple of people from like Curtis Vondy Hall. And stuff. People from Die Hard 2, and it does have a lot of Die Hard two type yep. type stuff, where you know there are a couple of switcheroos and stuff, and there are in, you know innocent campers that get blown away. And Wouldn't be surprised
2: cool if it turned out that the script was one of those made for another movie type of things. You know? Yeah, it, it was a Die Hard recycled. script or something yeah. like that. Yeah, for sure. I remember when this came out on VHS, it had one of those weird Disney like clamshell covers. Like it wasn't quite the regular roadshow clamshell. It was the you right. remember the thinner Disney ones. Yeah, and it had like a silver kind of line into it. Yeah, yeah, right. I, that was like a prized possession for a while in my collection. Yeah, right. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. That and um, Indian in the cupboard had the same one, except that the Indian in the cupboard had a keyhole in it. So,
3: yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I use those for peeping. How Keyholes are for peeping. How
5: clever
2: were they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no Indian in there,
3: though. No, no. Well, that's not what I'd be looking for anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's uh, that is my recommendation. That is my recommendation,
2: and there lies the end of the show.
3: And it does tie in with the song.
2: All right, let's get to that. So let's say goodbye to everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a bit of a clusterfuck of a show, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> I've had fun. I hope we you could enjoyed. have
3: fixed it in editing if you hadn't said that.
2: Well, I'll make sure there's a clusterfuck somewhere. Okay. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, don't forget to go to goodmoviemonday.com, go to our social media pages, give us a like, a follow, a comment, share us, all that kind of stuff. Uh it's good fun. And the video for uh the Brad
3: Anderson interview will be up this week on Facebook and YouTube. You
2: wanna you wanna take us out now, Ben?
3: So originally the song choice, I like I said, like you know, we basically played Eye of the Tiger because you're gonna be talking about Eye of the Tiger. I wanted to do the same. <laughs> so I picked Broken Arrow and in my head the song that I thought was Broken Arrow was in fact not Broken Arrow, <laughs> it's Poison Arrow. <laughs> but there is a song called Broken Arrow yeah by buffalo springfield which i which i then submitted yep. unfortunately got pinged by the copyright by the copyright holders so <laughs> we couldn't include it so i just went you know what fuck it <laughs> let's just play poison arrow by abc cuz it's a banger of a song and who doesn't want to listen to this while you're uh, once you finish listening to us ramble on about horse shit for <laughs> an hour and a half awesome see you later everyone bye
7: talk about buttered sausage talk about buttered sausage where it comes from what it does why is it doing what it's doing get it out of my face what about buttered buttered sausage that's not your jam it's not your thing you don't like it it's not my jam I don't buy jam. I buy honey and I kiss it on the lips